Welcome to the Life Church Reno podcast. I'm Lydia Long, and for the season of Advent, we will be bringing you some special episodes. These Christmas and Advent themed episodes will feature conversations with friends and families of Life Church. I believe we all have amazing stories that we're meant to share, and in sharing our stories, we all grow. We pray that these conversations are meaningful for you and that they may help bring you some peace and some inspiration through this Christmas season. Today's conversation is with Kaylee Dellerman. Kaylee and her family have faced tremendous loss and blessings the last few years, and she graciously agreed to share her story with us. As we're about to enter into this third week of Advent, Kaylee and I talk about the theme of joy and how we can find joy in the Lord during seasons of loss and grief. Kaylee, thank you so much for coming to chat with us today. So grateful for you and you coming to share our story. Um, For a lot of our friends that don't know you, do you mind taking a quick minute to introduce yourself and tell us about how you are connected to Life Church? Yeah. Hi, my name is Kaylee. Um, I'm 27. I've grown up in Reno basically my whole life. Um, We were one of the families to actually start up Life Church so long ago. Uh, I was a middle schooler about that time, and so I grew up there until through high school. I went through youth group and all that, and then moved when my dad planted his own church. So we've been around here. I came back to volunteer for the youth group for a while there as well. So that's perfect. And that's how we met, was serving in student ministry (laughs) and youth group back then. So um, I wanted to like kind of open with your family. I, at least from myself looking in on your family, I feel like your family has such a legacy in the Reno Tahoe area abroad um, because of your family's work with the Reno Sparks Gospel Mission. And just, I feel like they've had such a passion for the local church and for planting churches. So do you mind taking a quick second to talk about what that's been like for your family and what it's been like for you growing up in a family that is so outward focused and kingdom focused? Yeah, it's been really cool um, watching my parents not only just talk the talk as my dad is a pastor, it's nice to see them actually live out what they believe. I think it's super important that churches not be in competition with each other. And so it was nice to see that in practice as we go plant churches, go help start up churches, move and plant our own church while still volunteering with other churches, while still holding events that promote community within different churches, because we are one body, one church, not just churches. Talk to us a second about um, you finding your own faith because your family is your family, right? But there comes a point where all of us have to make the choice of like, this is my faith now and I'm going to make this my own. What was that process like for you? What was it like kind of finding your own faith in a family that has such a huge legacy in the area? What was it like finding your own faith in the midst of all that? This might be a story for another time, but growing up in the church, I always had that kind of foundation. I understood who Jesus was. I loved him, I whatever, but it wasn't a real conscious decision until I was about college age um, with my first engagement uh, that ended up broken. After being left heartbroken and seeing just my family hurt that way and knowing that God was there for me in a way that he's never been there that I recognized him being there for me, just made that really real to me and made me um, understand what a personal relationship it is. It's not just a family legacy. It's a personal relationship. Yeah, that's so good. You have um, experienced a lot of highs and lows in the last few years that you've been really public about. And that's kind of why I wanted to chat with you is um, you did um, kind of open your story up 
to the public and to your friends and your family. And um, I really valued that. And so I wanted to to bring you on and have a conversation about kind of the highs and the lows that you've experienced these last few years. And I want to unfold your story really gently and kindly so you can take this conversation however you feel best. I thought that we would start with your husband, Nolan, and how you guys met. And just tell us about Nolan and what your marriage has been like with Nolan. So that was just such a God thing. Um, I had just graduated from UNR and went back in the fall semester just for a class, just kind of for fun. Um, While I was there, because I signed up late, I had to go get permission from a teacher at a geology ice cream social. I didn't even know that was a thing. (laughs) And so while there, I'm looking for the teacher, super lost. And then Nolan came up and helped me find him. We found out we had class right next to each other, went to lunch that day, and the rest kind of just wrote itself. He's just been such a blessing and such a rock, especially the last few years as everything just kind of seems like it crumbled around us. It was nice to have that good godly man by my side. Yeah. Yeah. How, um, how was that building a relationship with somebody? Cause you met not in a church situation. What was that like kind of, you know, finding your faith, but then also finding faith with another person. And I think because we do have a lot of younger people at the church that want to be married and they're looking for that spouse and they're trying to figure out what is dating like today. What maybe some guidance or advice that you would give to somebody in that situation of how do I find someone and like really know that they love Jesus? Like how did you guys figure that out and figure out your relationship early on? Um, well, starting off saying my dad is a pastor usually either scares people off or they kind of go, oh, that's cool. <laughs> so that's kind of a good icebreaker. But mm-hmm. um, Nolan was very new to his faith. He wasn't quite fully committed yet. He, as a scientist, had a lot of questions regarding the Bible and how does that work in this way? And so things, little things like he um, thought that we as Christians believed that the earth was only a thousand years old. And he, when I told him that's nowhere in the Bible, he was like shocked and he's like, oh, okay, yeah, I can get behind that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, no, there's not. Mm -hmm. It goes in tandem with each other. And so Mm -hmm. it's been really cool exploring that with him, seeing his educational geological perspective on things that are in the Bible saying these could happen these are real these are real history this is real and so it's been good for him in that way to help grow his faith because that was always a stumbling block for him and so and then just living that life that attracts that kind of a person is super important because I feel like for so long I just kind of faked it and then I was like why am I getting all these bad relationships why am I not and it was because as soon as we left church, yeah. I default to my normal self and it was not yeah. an edifying relationship. Yeah. I think too, I love that you guys like learned together. It sounds like you were learning together. And I think yeah. that's so cool for any relationship of asking good questions and just learning alongside each other and studying, you know, I think we do tend to treat the Bible like a textbook, but like learning together and growing together, it sounds like that was really foundational for you guys. That's yeah, it was awesome. great. It was a nice challenge because I feel like I know a lot of biblical texts. I know a lot of the spiritual whatever side of it and then to have him have the more concrete earthly side of it and see how they connect was really good for both of us seriously that's awesome after you guys um, got married just within a matter of a few months um you lost your father rick talk to us for a minute about what it was like experiencing that tremendous loss alongside being in a new marriage um and what was that like walking through grief and loss Um, It's actually crazy. The year before we got married, Nolan unexpectedly lost his dad. Mm -hmm. 
And so that was a hard whatever. And being there for him in a way I didn't understand was hard. So then fast forward two years and I lose my dad unexpectedly. It was like kind of a flashback, but it was it's nice to have somebody who completely understood what it was like to be in that situation. Mm-hmm. So my dad um, was born with a heart defect where he only has two valves in his heart. And so he had undergone surgery in October right before our wedding to get it replaced with an artificial valve. Um, a couple months later, they found out it was his body was rejecting it, and so they went in to fix it and change it up. When they um, opened him up for surgery, they found out he was completely infected, and he did not wake up from that anesthesia. And I just remember being in the hospital with my mom and praying, and just my life before this was very untouched by tragedy. Mm-hmm. And so my own naiveness, God was going to come through. He always comes through. But what coming through looked like through my lens was very different than my understanding of it now. In my mind, I prayed and I believed and God would answer me and he would save my dad. So that's my verse for going through that was the heart or hope deferred makes the heart sick. And so I was like, God would never defer my hope. Like he's not going to, he's going to come through. So when my dad passed, there was a lot of hurt, a lot of anger, a lot of just misunderstanding of who God was because of my lens, not because of who God was, because he doesn't change, but because of the way I had seen him and experienced up to this point. You, that same year, um, again, within a matter of a few months, um, you had kind of announced that you were expecting your first child. No, you and Nolan were expecting your first child. What was that like? You know, I think in this life, we, we seem to balance a lot of things at the same time. Um, and that year you were balancing a lot of, of, um, joy and also pain. I mean, you just got married, um, you lost your dad, and then now you're expecting this new life. What was it like for you and Nolan to be holding this both and these like two extremes kind of, of, um, extreme pain and extreme joy? What was that like to, to balance both those things and walk through that? Yeah. So actually the day after my dad passed is when I got my pregnancy test. And so that was (laughs) a lot to process and it was heartbreaking just knowing that my son was never going to have a grandpa. He had two great grandpas, but with Nolan's dad being passed and my dad passing, it was hard to think that my dad will never get to meet my firstborn child, that he won't have that relationship that I get to have, that my dad got to um, be a grandpa to my mom or my, sorry, my sister's two kids. And he loved being a grandpa. It was his favorite thing in the world. He definitely came into it. And so knowing that he wouldn't have that relationship with my child was just really hard going through the pregnancy. And then on the other side, it was that joy, that hope that this is going to be my the first Christmas without my dad, but the first Christmas with my son, it's going to be kind of a completion, kind of a, the other side of the coin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're carrying so many different things at once and trying to look to Jesus. What, I guess in that season of your life, what was the thing that was helping you cling to Jesus and cling to faith in the midst of that? So in my perspective at this time, it was like God had given me this son to help deal with the pain of losing my dad. And so I saw my pregnancy as such a gift, such a blessing, Yeah. thinking that it would become... Yeah fruitful and to fruition. Yeah. Why don't you tell us about Waylon and his story? So um, went through pregnancies, no problem. It was really just the picture perfect 
thing you could imagine. I mean, I was gaining the amount of weight correctly. There were no complications, perfect blood pressure. Everything was just as it should be. Um, I was visiting my grandpa on a Saturday night. He had just had surgery and I was leaving. I'd have some uh, preterm labor symptoms. And so I thought I would just go to the hospital just to be sure, kind of ease my mind. I had an appointment on Tuesday. So I called the after hours nurse and she was like, oh no, this all sounds normal. Just wait till Tuesday. But because I was right there, I was like, I might as well go in, kind of ease my mind for the night. So as I'm waiting there, um, I can feel Waylon kicking and stuff. And then we get into the exam room. She goes to check the heart and can't find the heartbeat. So she says, oh, it's probably nothing. Like, let me go get the ultrasound. But in my heart, I already kind of knew. So they pull out the ultrasound, and it shows that he has no heartbeat, that he has passed. Um, So I had to sit there. I was all alone. Um, My husband was in Fernley. He was visiting his parents, so it was a phone call. To have to explain what happened over the phone was just not right. And then I called my mom. Um, Her and my aunt came over and was just, they were with me. Um, I asked them to show the ultrasound to them, and I was kind of praying for a miracle, praying that it was just a weird fluke, that it had frozen or something, and that when they showed my mom, it would be there, and he wasn't. Um, So we uh, were transferred to a delivery room. I was put on Pitocin and Cytotec. I was already three centimeters dilated at that point. It was uh, preterm labor. Over the next two days, there was just a lot of confusion, a lot of anger, um, but still some part of me held on to hope that God would do a miracle, that God can change this because I know that he can, and I know that he does things like this. And so the doctor would be like, okay, are we ready to like fully induce it? And I'd be like, no, just a little longer. Like I haven't felt the baby move yet. I mean, I wouldn't say that out loud yeah. because people would think I was crazy. But <laughs> yeah. in my own head, I was like, no, God can do this. He can yeah. do this. So then it comes time to deliver. My son is born. It's completely silent. And it's just tragic. As we're sitting there, just adoring my son and stuff, which should have been just the happiest moment of our lives, just quickly turned so tragic. We're sitting there. We're just so in love with him. He's so perfect looking. He looks like he's just asleep. He doesn't even look like a preemie. He's just perfect. They take him to go clean him up and all that. My family comes in. They're kissing him. They're holding him. And it's not what you expect to have to say hello and goodbye at the same time when you're just not ready for that. They leave to take his pictures and all that, get his measurements. And as they're doing that, me and Nolan open up our daily devotional. And in it is the story of Lazarus. No, not Lazarus. Lazarus. Yes. <laughs> but Mary yeah. and Martha are talking yeah. and they're yeah. angry at God. And they said, where were you in this? And the whole story was about how God has to be God in the face of death because if he's not, then he's not God anywhere. And how his timing is perfect and his comfort is perfect. And just reading that on November 5th of all the days, it was just too perfect to be a coincidence. And I think that kind of just reminded me of Nolan that this is a storm, but we're not alone in it. Mm, and that good. peace while sitting there in the hospital bed yeah. holding my stillborn son was just unlike anything I've ever experienced. Yeah. It's so powerful to see, I mean, God move in situations where you just, you so desperately needed God to show up in some way, you know, and you talk about the different ways that you expected him to show up, right? The fact that he showed up in a way that maybe you didn't expect, but still reassured you of his presence in your life is huge. Well, and then grief is just so Mm non-linear that even though I understood and I had that peace, 
in the coming days, even now, there are times oh, yeah. when there's anger, there's frustration. God, why would you do this? Even though I'm seeing it unfold, even though I'm like, oh God, I understand now. I don't. There's still so many step back, so many. And I think it's important to remember that questioning does not equal a lack of faith, that mm, the pain and the heartache does not take away from your relationship with Christ, that yes. it doesn't mean you're not as strong as you thought you were, that he's not there the way you thought he was. Cause there's going to be times where you feel that peace, you understand, you get it. And then the next day it all unfolds and it all unravels. So saying hello and goodbye, like you put so well, saying hello and goodbye to Waylon on November 5th, put you right before Christmas. And, um, can you take us to that Christmas where you're grieving the loss of your dad and Waylon. Um, I'm thinking about the people that are listening. And we know for sure that we have people listening now that are walking into this Christmas season saying, there is no way I can find joy right now. You don't know. Lydia and Kaylee, you do not know what I'm walking through, what I'm going through, what I lost this year. There's no way that I can find joy this Christmas season. Can you kind of take us back to that Christmas and what that looked like for you and what it looked like um, to try to pursue joy and pursue Jesus in the midst of walking through so much hurt and pain? So I have um, a journal that I wrote as I went. So it starts from the day I was admitted to the hospital until what would have been Waylon's first birthday. And this is actually my Christmas Eve entry. It says, God, today I choose to focus on gratitude. I thank you for my dad and my baby. I thank you for giving them to me, for no matter how long or how short I got to love on them. I thank you for choosing me to be theirs and them to be mine. I don't want to be strong, and I don't want these situations or circumstances, but I thank you for not listening to me, for knowing what is actually good and necessary for me. I thank you for holding me and guiding me through this. My mind has had to help guide my heart through this grief, but today my heart needs to lead. It doesn't make sense intellectually. I want to tell myself that anyone who would allow all of this is not good. Someone who would allow this kind of pain does not love me. But my heart knows you, and my heart knows that you love me so fiercely, that you know what you are doing, and that it is not to hurt me. Today my heart knows that you are good and worthy of praise, and I will force my tongue and mind to follow until they get it. And for me, it's just, it doesn't make sense intellectually. And I think that's why it's so important to have that relationship with God because you need to know that he is for you. So when it looks like he's not, you can remind yourself, no, he's been there for me. Yeah. He does love me. He, I know him yeah. and I know what he wants for me. And I know that it's not to hurt me. It's not to do all this stuff. At one point I was telling my husband, I'm understanding that everything that happened was not to spite me. It was not to attack me. It had nothing to do with me. As weird as that sounds, because it's such a personal situation, it is to further his kingdom. And everything is to bring him glory. And so when we look at things through that lens, it's easier to not get so offended, to not get so in your own mind about it. Yeah. Um, and it's hard to do because these situations are so delicate. They are so hurtful. They are so personal. You just referred to your journal. And I wanted to touch on that a little bit today because that's how I kind of entered into hearing your story. You made the choice to put up on social media to your friends, family, and whatever estranged Facebook friends you probably have out there, um, to pretty much the world. You made the decision to post your personal journal of, of everything, of what you endured, um, what you went through, 
your process and your progress. Share with us what made you come to that decision to put all of this, to be so transparent and to put your story out publicly. What made you come to that decision? And then what happened because of you being so open and honest? Uh, So a couple years ago, I went to a Beth Moore talk and she talked about the remembrance stones in Joshua 4 and that you build those stones up so when the water comes back, walking on dry land doesn't seem so far away again. And so I started to write this journal for my own remembrance stone so that I knew at some point it wouldn't hurt to breathe every day. (laughs) It wouldn't whatever. And I didn't want to lose what I knew God would be doing in this story. And so I started writing it down. Um, As we got closer to Waylon's first birthday, God just really put it on my heart to share this story. And I really, really did not want to put my journal out there. It's my most personal thoughts, my darkest moments, my most vulnerable states. Mm -hmm. Um, Everything I wrote was for me and me alone. It wasn't ever meant to be shared. Mm -hmm. And so when God told me to share it, there was a lot of pushback on my part where I didn't want people to see this broken side of me. I didn't want people to see how much I hurt, how much I doubted. But God was saying, this is how I get to use Waylon's story. Um, And I made a promise to God that I would never stand in the way of him being able to use his story because it's not my story, it's Waylon's story. And because he has passed, it's now entrusted to me to pass on. Yeah, so um, I think sharing his story is the only way his death wasn't in vain. Um, God talks about in Lamentations how we go through these situations, these circumstances, so that we can be comfort to those who are going in it. So that people who might not have this relationship with Christ can see the hope, the joy, the restoration. Um, I'm part of a lot of mom groups for people who have lost their children. And there's just so much hurt and so little healing. I see moms who have said, I lost my son 40 years ago, and it hurts just the same today as it did then. There's people who say there's no hope, there is no healing, this is as good as it gets, and that I vowed would never be me. I am a mourning mother, but that's not all that I am. I get to be so much more. We get to move on with our lives, and that too comes with a lot of um, guilt. I feel like a lot of people feel guilty for moving on and healing, but it's, it's hard because no amount of pain you put yourself through, no amount of stalling, no amount of staying in this moment will bring them back. And so it's just unfair to you. It's unfair to them. Um, I remember my grandma coming to me when I was in the hospital losing the baby. And uh, she said, I don't even want to say his name. It just it makes me so sad. And that broke my heart because this was my son. This is somebody who brought me so much joy, yeah. so much love. And I didn't want people to think of him yeah. as that curse on me. Yeah. Yeah. And so I realized it was up to me to change that legacy. Mm. And so in order to do that, you have to find healing. You have to find joy so that you can say there was healing and joy in this. It wasn't just. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Especially your, I mean, we started this conversation talking about the <laughs> legacy of your family. And I think Waylon is a part of that legacy in his own way, in his, his own time. He was a part of your family's legacy and it's beautiful. What, what did you see come out? What happened when you opened yourself up to the world like that? What did you see come from people? What did people say? What was the response that you received? So even right after this happened, it was literally a month after I lost Waylon, a distant friend of mine lost her child at about 20 weeks. 
And so I was able to reach out to her and say, hey, I don't have the answers. I'm still in the midst of this, but we can do this together. You don't have to be alone. And I feel, especially with the loss of a child, there's so much social stigma around it that it's not talked about as much as it should be, um, that people don't understand that just because the child wasn't born doesn't mean they weren't a person, yes. doesn't mean they weren't loved. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to have somebody... I think reach out and validate this was your child. I understand that you lost your baby that you love just opened. Um, it changed her life. I don't mean to sound like I changed her life. Obviously no. it was God working through that. Yeah. Um, he said back to my journal, I said, I don't want to be used. I'm not ready to be used, but God has this story to tell. And because I've given my life to Christ, I've given this story to Christ. That's good. And so if he wants to use it, who am I to stand in the way of being that tool? I want to give you a minute to talk to the person that's listening that is saying, again, saying, Kaylee, that's great for you that you shared, but you don't know what I've experienced. And there's no way I'm telling a single soul what I'm walking through and the pain that I'm experiencing. What would you say to that person? Why or do you see value in sharing your story? And what would you say to the person that is so afraid to tell somebody what they're walking through? I think, first of all, I understand that weight that is on your heart. You were never meant to carry this burden, especially alone. Sharing with other people allows them to come alongside you. And there have been people in my own journey who have been more detrimental than they have been helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of a risk you have to take. Um, I think there's people in your life who love you and care about you and who don't want to see you suffer silently. I think a lot of keeping it in is to protect your heart, but also your image. I know sharing this, I didn't want people to see that I was so weak at times, that I wasn't so put together like I like to come across. Um, But healing will not happen if you're not allowing your wounds to show. And I think alongside with that is there is no healing apart from Christ. And it's hard to live in a secular world and say that because I feel like a lot of people don't like that message. But the author of life Mm -hmm. is offering you hope and peace. And to say otherwise, I don't think is right. Yeah. I want to take us to Elowen. Introduce us to Elowen and share her story with us. Yeah. So Elowen is our daughter. She, um, oh, yes. So we found out we were pregnant in March, about the same exact time that we found out about Waylon. Um, their timelines were the exact same. They were both due the last Friday in December. And so going through that pregnancy was very difficult uh, mentally. Physically, everything went pretty fine. Again, that wasn't really the hard part. Um, It was hard getting excited for a baby right after losing a baby. Um, It was hard to picture getting to bring home a baby when we had never experienced that. We had never delivered a baby alive. And it was just, it was hard with Ellie because she should be the little sister. And how do you have the little sister without the big brother? I was telling Nolan, it's so weird to think about putting her in hand-me-downs when they all still have tags on them. And so just that juxtaposition of the joy 
and the excitement we have for her, but the guilt and the um, longing we had for Waylon. It was hard to not feel like a bad mother on either side. I felt bad for being excited for a new baby. I felt bad for mourning Waylon while I should be excited for this blessing. And it was just a really hard eight months. She was born, Waylon was born at 33 weeks. She was born at 34 weeks. So it was hard to see when she was born. She was a full baby. She was alive. She was and it, that hardness of that should be Waylon. Like, yeah. Um, it was really nice having her be a little girl, though, because I didn't feel like this should be Waylon. I know a lot of women have a very hard time separating pregnancies after loss, um, and they kind of project what should have been onto this new child. And I, it's hard because they are their own person, and it's hard to equip them in that way and think about them in that way. And so I'm really thankful she was a girl because opening dresses and yeah. floral prints and all that on her baby shower, I didn't think this should be Waylon's, yeah. this should be... yeah. God's timing is really interesting. What do you feel like you learned about God during that time of going through such similar things and almost the exact same timeline? What did you learn about God and God's character? I think it was just a reminder that God is God no matter what I'm going through and that it doesn't matter if, you know, in these eight months it ends in tragedy or these eight months it ends in the greatest joy I've ever felt. He is who he is. And then just a reminder that who God is is not who I always want him to be. And the way he answers is not always the way I think he's going to answer. Mm -hmm. And that sometimes the answer is no, even though I really think the answer should be yes. And that I think he's a bad God if he says no or he isn't loving and he isn't. And so to see that. And so that brings me back to my dad when he was saying, but hope deferred makes the heart ill he's not talking about in this lifetime. I can go on because I know that I'm going to be reunited with Waylon. I know I'm going to see my dad again. And that is where I get to place my hope is in Christ, not in the healing in this lifetime, not in the circumstances and situations that I might find myself in. And I think it's a good reminder that God doesn't calm the storms Mm. always, but he is always there with us in the storms what would you, I guess, how would you encourage the person that is saying, I just, I don't even know how to trust that right now. Is there something that you would give them or some wisdom or an encouragement of how to grow in their trust, how to grow in trusting God when it feels like he's giving them the wrong thing at the wrong time? So one of my favorite things about God is that he isn't scared of our questions, is that he is big enough for them and that he has answers for them. And so especially right after losing my dad, I had so much, God, why did you let this happen? You said that you're near to the brokenhearted. Why do I feel like this right now? You say that you heal those who need you. Why didn't you heal my dad? And those same kinds of questions came about with Waylon. And so getting to see God unfold this story has been really exciting in that. And I, I would encourage people to look for God in the littler things because that's what makes up the big things. In writing my journal, I didn't always feel God. I didn't always see him in my story. But now reading back, I can see him in every page that I wrote. I can see how he was working and orchestrating things. I can see where he was comforting me, where he was pushing me, where he was pulling me. 
And I think journaling is a great way to do that. A prayer journal, just a regular journal, just Mm -hmm. a little snippet here and there, just so you can look back on your story and say, oh, I see God now. And for me to be able to see him in the middle of my storm reminds me even today that he's still working. He's still here. He's been faithful before. Why would he not be now? Anything else that you want to share about your story, about Waylon, Elowen? That's, I think, back to just healing. Um, for a long time, I would feel guilty that I missed them. Because as a Christian, you run your race and then you get your reward. You get to be in heaven with God. And so with my dad wishing that he was back is like taking that from him. He doesn't want to be here with us as much as that hurts to say. He is getting his prize that he worked his whole life for. With Waylon, it was best case scenario in his whatever. As hard as it is to say, everything that happened here doesn't matter because he woke up and the first things his eye saw was Jesus. And I think that that kind of eclipses everything else. But as I was feeling this kind of guilt for missing and all that, God just reminded me of Lazarus again. Mm-hmm. Lazarus? Lazarus. Why can't I say it? <laughs> uh, Weird names in the but Bible. But that when he passed, Jesus wept. Like yes. the author of life, the creator yeah. of the universe mm-hmm. cried. Like he mm-hmm. knew that he was going to be reunited with him in the resurrection. He knew that he was about to raise him from the dead, but his heart broke. He felt that. He saw the other people feel that. And he cried. And it was... God telling me it's okay to feel that sadness. It's okay to miss them. It's okay to weep. You have this hope. You have this joy, but it's okay to feel it and that God's there and he understands and he holds us while we feel that. He doesn't tell us not to feel it. We shouldn't feel guilty or shameful for feeling sadness, for mourning for somebody we love and we miss. And then in that too, I would always feel so guilty because I need to hold on to them because once I let them go, they're gone. And God was saying, no, I already have them in my arms. Like, it's not your job to keep their memory alive. It's not like once I let go of this pain, they're gone forever. I'm always going to remember them. He always, I'm never going to not think of Waylon. Yes. Um, But just a reminder that God has this and he has me, Mm -hmm. that I don't have to white knuckle everything in my life because he has it all. Yeah. So good. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for And I want to say publicly too, before I have a couple more questions just to close this, but I just want to say publicly that I'm so grateful for you sharing your story and, you know, you could keep it your own story and just between you and Nolan and your family, um, but you didn't, you chose to share it with the world and you already shared a couple of stories and you already seen fruit come from this, from other people finding healing and finding Jesus and finding new life in Jesus because of your story. So I just want to publicly affirm that I just think that your story is going to impact so many more people that we won't even know until we're with Waylon and your dad and with Jesus and um, the Lord tells us and shows us all the people that your story impacted. And so thank you for being obedient. Thank you for um, being open and transparent and sharing your story because I think, again, going back to the word legacy, I think this is going to be a huge legacy for the kingdom and for your family. Thank you. Thank you for letting me share his story. This next week of Advent, we're going into this week of joy and talking about Christ's coming. And so we've already talked a lot about, um, I really did want this episode to be for the people that are struggling to find joy right now. Um, but earlier, you said a great phrase. Um, you said that before all this, you were untouched by tragedy. 
And I felt like maybe I need to take a second to talk to the people that are feeling like that right now, that they're, they have an experience, maybe they're younger or maybe they've just lived um, just an interesting life where they have been untouched by tragedy. What would you say to them as far as their life being untouched by tragedy or um, also maybe how they could influence or bring joy to someone who is experiencing tragedy right now? Um, I would say probably this is the time to be growing in Christ. As much as tragedy is a sowing season, it's great to be prepared ahead of that because the Bible never tells us it's going to be smooth sailing. Most of the time you're either about to go into a storm, in the middle of a storm, or just coming out of a storm. And so I think it's always a good time to be drawing close to Christ in this Mm -hmm. saying, you know, I'm not praying that you would make my life easy. I'm just praying that you would prepare my heart for this, that you would prepare my mind for this, that you would just remind me where I find my refuge and that you are remembering to turn to him in the joy so that when the pain comes, it's just a second nature. Um, And then as far as being there for other people, I think a lot of people just want somebody to listen. They don't need you to say, I understand. They don't need a solution. They don't need you to fix it. People just want to share their story. They want to feel validated. They want you to see them. It's so good. Well, my last question is um, going into Christmas and this season not being easy for you or your family. Um, what is maybe a tradition that you still have clung to, a tradition that has brought you a little piece of joy during the Christmas season? Or is there is there a tradition that um, has helped you find a little joy during the season? That's also hard because we actually just lost my grandma in February. And so she was a big heart of our traditions. And so um, even now we're living full time with my grandpa taking care of him. And so we've moved out of our home and all that. And we're in her home right now. And so all of my traditions look very different this year. Um, Even just decorating the tree, it's her tree. Mm. It's and then my grandpa has dementia, so we're trying to keep things yeah. as similar as they can. And so, yeah. um, <laughs> so it's a very different season. But I think it's just a good reminder for me that God is where I find my joy. Yes. In that all the humanly things can go away at any time. They can look very different. And that as long as we have Christ, we can find the joy in things. Yeah. Where if we're finding joy in things, as soon as yes. they go away, there's nothing there. Um, that's during all of this, um, I was reading a Bible study called defiant joy and it's talking about Paul and how the world was like, you have nothing to be joyful about. Like you're sitting in prison rotting and like, there's no hope for you. And yet he's still known as one of the most joyful people. And that's because he found his hope in Christ so that when the storms came, so that when, Mm -hmm. you know, in the deepest of valleys, he could Mm -hmm. sing God's praise because Mm -hmm. he knew where that hope was found, yeah. where that joy was found. Yeah. That's awesome. No, you turned you <laughs> turned my question on its head, but it is such a good reminder that traditions are going to come and go. And what used to bring us joy, this year we might need to cling to something different. And um, so I think that's a huge reminder for our friends listening that maybe this year does need to look really different just for the sake of your own healing and your own drawing close to the Lord during this season. Yeah. Well, and it's hard because nostalgia is so happy and so, and I mean, this is my favorite time of the year, even with everything that has happened in the past and the timing of things, this is still my favorite time of the year. And so just finding new traditions, Mm -hmm. kind of changing the way some of them look Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> Thank you, Kaylee, so much for sharing your story again with us. And um, we so appreciate you and just um, love you and your family. And thank you for sharing your legacy with us. Thank you. We pray this conversation was meaningful for you today as you enter into this next week of Advent. Take some time to reflect on your own journey and how you can pursue joy this week. Kaylee talked about the practice of journaling and writing down your own story or even writing down prayers to have a record of how God has been faithful to you and how he has answered prayers in the past. Maybe take some time this week to start that journal or even just start a note on your phone and look for joy this week and remind yourself that Christ's coming can bring you joy in the midst of any circumstance. Blessings.